0: Yeah, my name is Scott DeMaltaris. We actually have our season ticket members and we had to sell our playoff tickets for the final round in Tampa. We were already coming here for vacation. It just worked out for us. We are just behind Bassey, about seven rows up. And tonight, we're just behind Bassey, about four rows up. That's a good place to be. Yes. So what are you
1: hoping for, uh, for tonight? Obviously uh, a lightning
0: yeah. win. But. Yeah, obviously uh, the abs are a great team. We're just looking to take it one game at a time, one big win, that's two. <laughs> take it one big win at a time. We'll, we'll get the win tonight, then we'll go back home, get the win there, push a game seven. We're looking to make it an awesome series. Okay. Joel, Frank? No, no, no. I'm originally from New York, but I've been a Habs fan since I was four, in a, in, when I played in the Pee Wee League. Okay, so explain your side to me. The Habs, Benjus, with the. Uh, so, so last year, as you may know, we we made it to the Stanley Cup. We lost uh, against the Lightning. So this year, I'm here to see the you know the Avalanche beat them. So I went. There's. Probably no bigger Habs fan in this stadium than me.
2: And, uh, yeah, we want to crush it. Welcome in to another Stanley Cup Final Edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Mixed line edition this week. Our on-site reporter embedded in the... The deep, deep bowels of, of Ball Arena. Richard Cote, Jacob Doherty, coming to us from north of the border where I believe the snow has stopped finally. And I'm Adam Medic, Steering the ship brought to you by the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store. Get your Calder Cup final gear. ChicagoWolvesStore.com. PHN15 is the code. You can get 15% off all the gear that they have in the Chicago Wolves Store.com. Richard?
1: Yes? You sound like you've been covering a series. Um, I have been covering a series. It's <laughs> it's been it's been fantastic. It's been an interesting um, experience. Uh, last night's game, I, you know, it, it seemed a little off. Even the fans seemed a little off. Even though a lot of people were expecting Colorado to come out hot and to you know bounce back from kind of a laggy start in the last game. Um, but Colorado didn't really seem to get it together. And, And we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, even like the energy in the, in the arena wasn't as much as I remember it from game one. Um, maybe that's why, but I mean, it was a cup clinching game. So I don't know. It just, something seemed off. Maybe it was the dark looming clouds over ball arena that evening as we were walking in and, you know, the ominous lightning about to strike, so to speak.
2: Were the dark looming clouds? Andre Pelletier, who is just you know, so you know Williams is Mister Game Seven in the NHL. Could we just call Pelletier Mister June? I mean, can, can that be his nickname? Because uh, the dude scores late, and you know, let me, let me take that back. He scored early this game. Oh like, yeah. Of his, this is his third game winning goal of the postseason. This was the earliest in the third period and it was like seven minutes left.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean uh, that, well, I mean, that definitely took all the energy out of the arena when that was scored. Um, but yeah, no, he is, he's been extremely clutch uh, for Tampa Bay this entire postseason. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I believe John Cooper uh, talked about him in the post game press conference uh, just about, you know, the things that he saw in him in training camp, and yeah. you know the reasoning to to keep Norfolk, him on the He was talking about the it. training
2: camp in Norfolk, exactly. I mean, yeah. he was nineteen coming out of juniors. I mean, yeah, coming you know past Czech Republic and no English. I mean, I thought that was a great great quote that he had uh, with him. But yeah, I mean, this is the only head coach Pilots ever
1: known. Oh yeah, so, I mean that that's. When you got a system like that and, uh, you know, you only have one head coach and you've had so much success with him, you don't see this guy going anywhere. And, you know, it's going to foster a a very healthy environment for him to be able to expand his talents and to have a a good career. Yeah,
2: Jacob, this dude in the last uh, three cup runs this year, he's got 20 points tied for a score high in 11 postseason goals, three of them GWGs in the third 13 points last year, 18 points in the first year. This dude's having a great late 20s. He's in the 30s, by the way. Well, he's, yeah, he's at, he's at age 30 now. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's 31. Yeah, it, it, right. It did, yeah, <laughs> that's right. He did turn 31. It's age mass. 30 years
0: is what I'm talking oh, about. Yes. Oh, yes. God. <sighs> For you guys, I understand that, you know, 20s and 30s, they all just kind of blend together. Yeah. But wow, this series has been fantastic. And the narrative whiplash that I have received has basically broken my neck but Andre Palat has been very consistent throughout. And he has been for the last what? three playoff runs. Yeah. Actually even four. I, I would honestly uh even in the sweep against uh Columbus uh the heroes prior to the um awakening of the empire. Yeah, he, he, he played had like very one, he well. had like
2: he had like one of the six goals his team scored that series.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he also played fairly well yeah. if I yeah. uh just off memory, but yeah, he, uh, Palat's been fantastic, and even on this, uh, in the last game uh, last night, Vasilevsky was, I think, the core reason why Palat had a chance to even like, or to get the game-winning goal there.
2: Yeah. yeah well, uh, by the way, Andre Vasilevsky, he's only four zero in elimination games right now. Yeah.
0: Well, that tends to happen when you're uh, when you win the last two Stanley Cups.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's he just. He, uh, he doesn't lose elimination, you know, his team up against elimination four times last few years. And, and he's just perfect them. I mean, he is, he, he is the better goalie in the series. It, it's it, there's no doubt about that. Even, you know, he had a rough start of it, but you know, game one, not, not, not all his fault. There, there was some real bad defense in front of him, but I mean, last night, 35 saves, Um, you know, he's, he's 20 and two now, you know, following a defeat with a 183 goals against and a 932. By the way, he threw in five shutouts. So think about that since 2020. So in this run, 20 and two. Richard following a defeat.
1: Yeah, no, he he's good. He bounces back very well, and I mean, I, he he is the sole reason this team has won two consecutive, possibly three consecutive cups. Um, he is. I mean, he, he's still young. He's still what it what 27. I think, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, so he, he's also got like a a good, you know, long career in front of him in Tampa. If one, they can afford him and two, if he decides to
0: stay, Uh, he already has an extension until the end of 27, 28. He good.
1: Yeah. He can go past that, but good. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, so no, they have that solidified and you know, they have that taken care of for a long time. Um, you know, he's, he's a very playoff tested goalie and this is something that, that Colorado ha- isn't used to facing in the playoffs, um, especially this year. So, um, yeah, no, uh, he's, he's been, he's been lights out. I think he has been absolutely the entire reason why Tampa Bay has been in this series.
2: Yeah. So we've had, um, 37 teams who have trailed three to one in the best of seven Stanley cup final, only six have forced a game seven, 17 have forced the game six. So Tampa Bay becomes the 17th team to force a game six when down three, one, but now it gets even harder. Cause we only six is going to a game seven. Um, there's, there's a lot going on there. We'll, we'll, talk about that, but you know, one of the key parts to this game, Richard, um, you know, kind of a key call really kind of ended the game for all practical purposes was ironically, very ironical. The, uh, the too many men.
1: <laughs> yes um no um in it that i, I think is, is kind of what what killed colorado uh because they they had about uh what 240 left in the game they were getting ready to pull their goalie again uh, ready to get the extra attacker uh they pulled him on too early i'm sure um so they got caught with too many men so for two minutes you're having to kill off that penalty you're not able to pull your goaltender out because you can't control the puck shorthanded in Tampa Bay zone. And then, uh, with 40 seconds left, you, you can get that extra attacker and that's just not enough to, to set up anything. Um, and, you know, try and tie the game, send it to overtime. So that was definitely a, um, a major, uh, shot in the foot for, for Colorado. And, you know, he, he said he didn't get any pleasure in this, but I'm sure I am sure because anybody in this situation probably would have, John Cooper says he he doesn't take any pleasure in getting that call just because of the night before when he felt it should have been called. Um we'll we'll let you hear from him.
0: No, like that shouldn't be a story. It was uh I mean the refs called the game by the rules and it's uh it was fortunate for us because you know instead of probably having a 3 minute goalie pull now they only get 40 seconds so um, I thought the power play did a great job just kind of keeping it out of their hands. And, uh, but it's, it's just one game.
1: So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like we're, we're not getting the, the complete honest truth from Cooper. I think you can read between the lines he's saying what he needs to say and not exactly what is on his mind. So I honestly, I, I think who wouldn't in that situation get great pleasure from getting that call the night after, especially when you win that game.
2: Yeah. So we'll see. Like I said, took the window of sales. They couldn't pull the goalie. You know, I I think that that was definitely, I mean, that that was a no doubter too many men call, you know, we we can, we're not going to dissect the other one. It's been dissected enough and we're well past that. That one could have gone either way, but definitely there. So, you know, we look ahead to game six. Um, I I know that that Colorado has won in Tampa before we we all know that. I mean, I, I still think Colorado is, is the better team. They they are faster. Their speed is there. To me, it comes down to the amount of power plays that are going to be in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's can Darcy Kemper hold up enough? Because we know what we're going to see in Vasilevsky. We, we just know. Um, I I mean, is Richard? You've been there. You you've heard some of them. you know you you talk to the other media. You guys all you know talk right. amongst yourselves and whistles and all that. As it was getting late in the game after the Palat goal, and everyone okay, we, we know we're going to six right. Had, did, did a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see it back here from game seven? I mean, are we expecting a game seven in the media
1: circles? You know, the only person I heard say that we'll be back here for a game seven was John Cooper during the, the post-game interview. Um, obviously, he thinks it's going to go seven. He's hoping it goes seven and that they come away with the victory. And uh, Nobody else I talked to in the media really seemed to think that it's coming back to Denver. Um, but there was also a lot of thought ahead of this game that that Colorado was going to wrap it up like they had a lot of momentum going into this game. Tampa was looking a little flat. Um, I think this made maybe a few of the, uh, the Colorado media a little nervous. And what happened was what maybe some had expected, but uh, not a lot of people were saying, oh yeah, this is um, this is going to game six, possibly game seven. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Not
2: Jacob. We, we know it's a, it's of course a must win game for Tampa
1: in game six. We we
2: know that, but Do you think this is a must-win game for Colorado in Game 6?
0: I wouldn't say as much because I feel like Colorado has outplayed them, uh, or actually did outplay them last night. I feel like Colorado was the better team, and they just ran into Andre Vasteleski. So I feel like if they keep playing their game, sure, if it doesn't happen in Game 6, I'm sure it will happen in Game 7.
1: I. I agree with you, Jacob, except I, the one part, I think Colorado didn't do better was discipline. They weren't able to stay out of the box. There were some ticky tack calls made, but I'm, you know, I'm not one to use that as an excuse for if a team lost or not, because that should never be your excuse. The way a game is called, you can adjust to that. It is your job to be able to follow the rules and stay out of the box and not give the other team an advantage. Um, that's another thing I saw floating around social media as I was live tweeting the game is, you know, oh, these these reps are just making the calls for Tampa because they were whining about it the the game before. <laughs> um, I, I don't believe in that. I, I don't think that really had anything to do with it. I think maybe Colorado was getting a little tired and, you know, they slipped up and maybe. And, yeah.
0: And the only call against Colorado that I could even remember was the uh, hooking penalty from I think it was Cadre, right? Um, in the first period. In the first period, there,
1: there,
0: that was like the only thing that could have been kind of perceived. Yeah. As eh, but past that, all, all the calls have been pretty. Were pretty like black and white. You know, you kind of have to call that. So, I think that's a fixable issue.
2: I um, I, I think the series has actually been well reffed Yeah. But, I, I I there's been nothing egregious this entire yeah. series. They, they they let there were two non calls that could have gone. Each team got away with a call late in the last game along the boards. I mean, both had a non-call. But I think the re- the officiating has been yeah. phenomenal in the final.
0: Yeah, and it's also been so, so consistent. And if it's not been calling the rule book to a T, at least it's consistent. Yeah, right. And that's the most important part.
2: So I, I just – I have a hard time – you know, I – everybody knows this. I have I've been on the Tampa bandwagon for, for, for the two years now. Um, you know, you're the champs. You've got to prove it different. I kept waiting for them to flip the switch all regular season while well, they just waited for the playoffs and to be down in, in the first round to flip the switch. I just, I don't see a way this doesn't go seven. I, I can't see Tampa losing this on home ice and Vassile. I mean, this has like Vasileski shutout written all over it on Sunday.
1: I, I don't know if, if Colorado stays focused out of the box and if their defense shows to shows up to play, they're going to be able to keep the shots on Kemper down, which is going to definitely increase your odds of being able to score on Vasilevsky. Um, they have the, they have the manpower to do it. They have for, you know, for most intents and purposes, they, they're they all healthy. They're ready to go. I think if they can get their game plan together and, you know, use their defensemen, you know, as defensemen and actually block some shots, I think they have a, a much better chance uh, of coming away with a victory in game six.
0: Actually, speaking of defensemen, well, one thing that I noticed this entire series was just how many minutes their, the Colorado top defensive pair has been playing. Yeah. On average, Kale McCarr has played 27 minutes with Devin Tays playing 25 Or actually 26. So at what point does that start to wear them down?
1: Oh, they're young. They can handle it.
0: Uh, If you're tired, you're still tired. (laughs) (laughs) They can go longer. They can go longer. That's a lot of time to be applying.
1: Yeah, but you know what? They, they don't look tired on the ice is the thing. Like yeah. Kale McCarr is still zipping around the ice. He is still going full speed even after like a, you know, two, two and a half minute shift. He is still giving it a 100% even late in the third period. Um, the only, the only area I've seen them see get gassed is maybe that second line late in the game. Um, they, they may have looked a little slower, um, you know, coming off the face offs, but, Their defensive pairs have, to me, have looked pretty good and have kept that energy going most of the game.
2: Well, and and let's not forget, I mean, Victor Hedman's done the same thing. He's playing almost 25 minutes a game, but he's logged more minutes in the postseason than any skater in the NHL because he's played played the more more games games that they've played. So he's he's logged a half hour more ice time total than than Makar, but he's playing five minutes less a game. So, I mean, that still wears on you too, and we're going for another long series here you know, as we, we get into game six, but I mean, I don't think, yeah, it wears on you, but if we're not going to overtime, I'm not worried because those two have played that much the whole postseason, season and they've kind of had walks in the park early on.
1: Yeah.
0: I would also argue that Victor Hedman has also looked fairly fatigued this entire postseason. He has not been the same Victor Hedman that has won some, uh, I think two Norris trophies, yeah, and has been one of the best defensemen, postseason defensemen, um, of this generational players. So, I am concerned, um, for Colorado's defense, uh, that's just a red flag to me, and also Victor Hedman, uh, himself, probably he played a bit, he's been playing poorly, uh, this series, in my opinion,
1: you know, going back to, to Colorado's defensive pairs and, you know, any fatigue they may be showing. I mean, excuse me, their forwards play a very good two-way game, especially Nathan McKinnon. He is very good at dropping back. He is fast enough to get back and back check. Um, if the defense pinches, uh, to try and, score on a a good scoring opportunity. Uh, JT Comfer is also really good. Andre Burakovsky is getting much better at getting back uh, behind the play. So uh, I I think they have the pieces to be able to lighten the load on the defensemen. Um, As far as skating hard, getting back and playing defense, you got more pieces than I think Tampa does who will play a two-way game um, that can compensate for, any potential like um, fatigue you would see
0: and once once I actually just noticed from last game Jack Johnson in 10 minutes and 40 seconds uh, of play he has eight hits
1: he he likes to give him about a hit a minute yeah he plays a role it's (laughs) efficient he
2: plays a role (laughs) that's a lot
1: he does
2: (laughs) that's what he does so as so we kind of wrap up the stanley cup version of this before we talk coaching news richard are yeah. you covering a game seven
1: uh if it goes to game seven i will be there at ball arena that's that wasn't the question are you covering a game seven no they're wrapping it up in six jacob is
2: uh, is richard having to cover game seven
0: Ask Andre Vasilevsky.
1: Ooh. Plus, that that's that's election night, and you don't want to do that here to the Denver market who's going to have to cover elections and then a game seven.
0: Well, don't polls close at, like... Five o'clock? Yeah.
1: And then you have the tallies coming in all night? Man, early polls closing out there in Colorado. Or Sorry, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, right seven around the, the clock. First, yeah, because after the puck drop out there. Five o'clock, I don't know where I got that. Six, <laughs> ten, seven.
2: Well, Richard, I think that you're going to have to get your uh, Manscaped out and shave up and groom where you need to with the PHN 20 code there on manscaped.com and cover game seven.
1: (laughs) You know, I wouldn't be mad if I had to, but um, no, I see them wrapping it up in six. Okay.
2: So we've got, we got one game seven, one finishing the series and Jacob doing the noncommittal. He has to talk to the goalie first.
0: (laughs) Make a pick i'll say six because uh colorado has just just really really good yeah i, I, w- I
1: want to get my stake two days earlier like i want to <laughs> have it confirmed two days earlier
2: confirming like, you're not getting it any
1: earlier no right? no no no, you're not getting it any yeah. really. So i will earn it two days earlier
2: yep yep once again you'll, you'll <laughs> learn sometimes you gotta if, if you win a bet you got to make sure you cover all bases to it. So anyway, we uh, off the ice guys, I think maybe the most shocking news of the week. Um and when you step back maybe not so shocking, but pretty I think surprising, Barry Trotz says I'm not coaching next year. He's going to chill after 25 years behind the bench.
1: You know, I think that's a good call for him. He in the last two places he's gone, he won a Stanley Cup and then was immediately let go. Uh he got brought into the Islanders for four seasons. Started putting together the pieces, got hit with a little uh, COVID early on in the season. Uh, didn't like the team didn't recover from that. Gets let go from the Islanders after he's put a lot of work into that. I, I get it why he's wanting to at least take one season off. I, I don't know if he's coming back. I yes. would hope he does. But because um, seriously, the hockey world needs Barry trots um, cl- cl- clearly, he didn't want to go to Winnipeg. Obviously, the situation to yeah. go home
2: and coach Winnipeg, he wasn't ready to go to a front office spot in Nashville that was reported to be offered. I still think he ends up at Nashville at some point in the front office. And if he doesn't want to coach right away, but I think down the line, he obviously left that franchise on positive terms, even after the breakup. But clearly, Jacob, um, you know, l- like most people, didn't want to go to Manitoba.
0: I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people constantly call Winnipeg one of the saddest cities in Canada. So it's it's
2: the Seattle of uh, Canada.
0: Seattle is quite nice. I will defend Seattle.
2: Unless you like, unless you don't like sun.
0: Hey, you
1: you know what? I I went there (laughs) once for a week. It rained once on us.
2: But did you see the sun?
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
1: It it was nice and sunny for like four of the five days we were there. And that that fifth day it rained like 45 minutes.
0: I, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. What do you mean there's a sun? Come Nobody,
1: down to Denver, 300 days of sunshine. <laughs> 330 in Albuquerque, if you want to go a little farther south. Exactly.
0: Um, I'll pass on the uh, Albuquerque. Uh oh, come on. It's yeah. fun.
1: It's a good time. Adam knows. Uh, so other coaching news.
2: It, nondescript, probably a good hire. It's the way the team wants to go. Luke Richardson, the Hawks, seems to be a good fit. Young coach, getting a chance building a program, things like that. Um, I think the most surprising one, unless you guys disagree. Uh, I mean, I know I'm glossing over that one, but I didn't think that that was the one to talk about. Yep. Okay.
1: Uh,
2: Paul Maurice to the Panthers. Um, I I had a WTF moment when I heard that news. What did Andrew Burnett do besides lose to the lightning that didn't deserve the full-time gig there?
1: (laughs) I, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jacob.
0: I don't think he did anything. And I think that might be the reason why Paul Maurice has this, has this job now. I think Paul Maurice is a fairly solid veteran coach that is really good at working with his veteran players, speaking to them and getting everyone on the same page. I in Winnipeg, I thought Paul Maurice was a fantastic coach and I feel like he didn't have many tools to work with. So, I, I think this is this will be a really good hire in the long term. Um but yeah, I'm surprised Burnett didn't also a um coach of the year candidate as well. Just-
2: so this this is a guy who has coached since nineteen ninety five has been a head coach. Spent eleven years in Carolina, slightly above five hundred. He spent nine years in Winnipeg, 576 winning percentage. He spent two years in, in Hartford with a 464, two years in Toronto, which I think a lot of people forget that, that he had a little stay in Toronto there for two years at 530. Mm-hmm. He's a 446 coach in the playoffs, never made it in the four years with Hartford or Toronto. Had 39 games in Winnipeg in nine years, 53 games in the 11 years in Carolina, one Eastern Conference championship. Hasn't won uh, – let's take that back. He's won two divisions. So you can be a great coach, yeah, if, you, if no coach has the tools. I'd argue some of those Winnipeg teams had more tools than finishing in fifth place, finishing in sixth place, finishing in seventh place.
0: They've never had the depth. Yeah. But they've um, they've had a supposed stud goalie. Everybody raised about Connor Hellebuck. I mean, they had had non sixteen seventeen or the two years that they he missed the playoffs in Winnipeg. Um, he wasn't really the same goalie that he was um, from now on. I, I would just argue that the defensive depth has just been very poor throughout with Winnipeg, and they have never been aggressive in terms of um, signing players to help stack their team.
2: Carolina went to the Eastern Com he was the Eastern conference champion went to the cup in the, the 202 cup and then four straight years of missing the playoffs made it one more year and then another three years of missing the playoffs before he got dismissed middle of the 2011-2012 season I he's an average coach with I mean like you've got a team in Florida that I don't think it it, it has horses it needs a little bit I don't understand what Andrew Burnett didn't do this year. I mean, losing to who they lost to in the playoffs. I mean, you lost to the champs
1: who, oh. who ran through people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you look at his, his stats just over the season, um, because I don't think he was, I mean, he wasn't given the the full-time gig, right? He was brought in as an interim. Correct me Correct. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Correct. So uh, a, a 400 winning percentage over, over the season with the with the Panthers and I mean it, it got him to the playoffs it got him out of the first round I just I, I felt like they saw an opportunity to pull a coach who had uh, a little bit more experience at least in going to the cup so once um, once. W- once right once but that, I don't even
2: think Jacob was alive for that cup <laughs>
1: but they, they still th- he has that experience some experience is still better than none so that they saw an opportunity to uh, boost up at least that on the bench, and maybe they can get a better product on the ice. That is really the only thing I can see with this move. Otherwise, uh, the numbers you were throwing out, I feel like it's it's a head scratcher and pretty lateral move to me. But he he went
2: 51 and 18, taking over a team a handful of games in after a dismissed legendary coach. 108 points, 72% winning percentage, won a division with the champs in there with with other great teams in that division that we saw this year in the East, which was very top heavy. I I get it. You went four and six in the playoffs Four out of those six losses were to Tampa. Like, I
1: I don't under, I, I don't understand the Paul Maurice. I don't think they upgraded. I don't. I I, I think they upgraded in an area that's not quite tangible. And I I don't think you're going to see any evidence of it for a little while. I think they're playing a little bit of a long game in this. And um, I don't know, Um, maybe uh, Burnett has a a chance at um, scoring another gig here soon to any other uh, open opportunities. I I think I would, if I had the opportunity, I'd snatch him up right now.
2: Uh, Elliot Friedman saying that he was interviewing, but other teams were scared because they thought they were just playing second place. Like teams didn't ever offer him because everybody thought, uh, a lot of the insiders, people in, in Elliot Friedman talks to GMs, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, and, you know, he talks to GMs and all that. A lot of them are saying, well, we just thought he was going to end up back in Florida. So they didn't, they didn't seriously consider him. So now you got to think the couple teams that are left. I mean, could, could Detroit be a spot for him? I think that'd be a great spot for him. You know, we're getting thin on, on coaches that are or open spots that are left out there. You know, Winnipeg, Detroit. You know, I, I don't think he goes to Winnipeg. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. That'd be an ironic trade, right? But don't, I don't see that. But I don't know. I, I don't understand. And, and, and I've said this numerous times. Florida is one of the two franchises, Arizona being the other, that I fail to understand strategy. I just, I don't get where they're going.
0: I agree. I, I haven't understand what they're doing, uh, what they were trying to do for. Actually, my entire lifetime, to be honest, in Florida. So, uh, but I, I do think the coaching decision was a good one. Maybe, perhaps, because I, I don't, I haven't been in the Florida locker room. Perhaps one could argue, and I'm, I'm not saying this is true, that he kind of didn't really set the system that was that led Florida to their success. That is something that I feel like could be brought up. I I don't know if that's true or not, but for argument's sake, maybe Andrew Burnett was not the, um, how do I say it? His coaching success maybe relied on the same system that was brought before him. And he just, continue the same system
1: i don't know Uh, when you have a a team that that rolls over the regular season like they did i don't know if it was like chemistry or the the system that he had put in place that was um that was the issue um honestly in the, the way i'm i'm just reading this and i i haven't seen any interviews from the gms or anybody close to the team yet um just the way I'm, I'm reading how this all played out, I, I think they saw an opportunity to uh, move forward with a coach with more playoff experience. That, that is just my, my two cents.
2: No, I, 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 I think, I, I think you're onto something. I mean, I, I get, like I said, I get, I understand why they did it. I just don't agree. It's yeah. the same thing. I think about Dallas, I, the, the Pete DeBoer, <laughs> everybody's always got over 500 wins as a coach. That, that's great but he's had moderate playoffs. like yes, he's over 500 in the playoffs and he, he's been to two Stanley cups, but he hasn't done anything since 16 and everything was downhill since then with San Jose. And I, I mean, Vegas, Vegas was just not great under, like yeah. things got worse as it progressed under him after they got rid of, of Julian. Like to me, like DeBoer didn't make them better. He just had what they had and then they went downhill after that.
1: Yeah. He, he kind of ran it into the ground there. Um, I don't know. I feel like DeBoer is more of a distraction to your team. He's more of um, along the lines of a Tortorella, if you will. Yep. Um, I, I don't think, and uh, again, I have not interviewed any of the players who have played under him. So this is just my speculation, given, you know, the the attitude of some of the teams um, that they, they really have a hard time with his coaching style and maybe they, they don't always see eye to eye. Well, he's
2: Jacob, he's got 500 wins, but I mean, think, Five years San Jose, four years New Jersey, three years Vegas, three years Florida. There's a theme with him in the Tortorella types. Like three, four years, and your voice stops being listened to.
0: I I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd put him under the same name as John Tortorella or the same like tag as John Tortorella. But but I do feel like, especially in Vegas, actually I I would uh, say this in San Jose, he just isn't the kind of coach who can adapt.
2: No, he, he's he's a man-to-man defense. We generate yeah. everything from the point and that's like we start the offense with shots from the point. We play man-to-man defense. We've never gone to a zone concept. We don't care if we're, we're slower than them. We're still going to go man on man. Like they he 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 plays one style and he's been doing it since 2008.
0: Yeah, so and especially with Dallas like they can't do that in Dallas. No. They just don't have the talent. They
2: don't have the speed. They, they don't have the speed to play man to man in Dallas. No.
0: Yeah, they have like Jason Roberts. That's it. Yeah. So
2: it's going to be interesting. So we'll, we'll still see who ends up in, in Winnipeg. Um, you know, Pierre Luc Dubas announcing that uh, he's going to test free agency in 2024. So now that coaching job became less attractive with that announcement, non committal by, by a star. We're still trying to wait. De- Detroit must know, Detroit must be targeting something. Because it just surprises me how long Stevie Weiss
0: taken on this one.
1: You, you would think, right? So
0: which which makes you
2: playing. wonder, is the coach still coaching?
0: So, I've heard, uh, I've, I've seen rumors just here or there that he is looking towards Europe for his next coaching um, hire. I, I've heard uh, things, uh, I forget uh, his name, but the uh, Finnish head coach who has done a fantastic job for his national team. I have, I completely am drawing a blank on his name, but there's that Finnish head coach that I've heard a lot of things about coming across the sea.
2: Gemma, uh, Yellinen? I believe so. But, Yellinen, yeah. Yeah, from yep. I, I, I'm starting to think more and more, it could be a Derek Lalonde situation. Assistant Coach for Tampa. Okay. I mean, it, Steve Stevie Y knows that's coaching staff. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 haven't, you know, we haven't heard him name anybody. Well, you can't name a guy from Tampa yet. I just I I wonder if Lalonde is is what he's looking at.
1: I think yeah. that's a that's a fair assessment, and that that would totally make sense as to why they haven't named any names. Yeah, yeah. but that would leak. Like- I feel.
2: Yeah, you'd think. But, I mean, the NHL has done a good job recently of, without the leaks. I mean, t- if it leaks, the team's leaking it. And I, I don't. I think Iserman has too much respect for Vinnick and, and the whole Tampa franchise to create a leak. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he would. Because most of or these leaks I, come I from the teams. Stuff. Yeah. I just I think he respects Tampa too much. I really do. So, I, I think that he he would make sure it doesn't get out.
0: Yeah. Well, so for for leagues, um and I'm citing the um for this the Pat McAfee show, the um former uh Indianapolis Colts punter who has a daily podcast. Yep. Fantastic watch by the way. I would highly recommend it. Um when he talks about leaks, and a, a lot of the times I believe it was um, a general manager who said this—I can't remember who. Um, a lot of leaks come from the staff of the general manager, not them themselves.
2: I, I, I can. You, you want insight and rate information <laughs> of somebody who's been a media relations director on, on a team before? Yeah, that would be great. Te- teams that. aren't teams aren't afraid to call their beat writers or their source and leak something that they want out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to get the you have to get it from somewhere, and when it comes to the staff of the GM. A lot of it is is purposeful. A GM will tell a staffer, knowing that the staffer is going to go tell somebody. There, there's very a, most of the leaks. I will say are very intentional. Yeah. There, there's a reason why a team is leaking the information, right? Right or wrong information. Right. And you also know who you can leak certain things to. Like when I when I was in certain markets, I knew. And I mean, I, I knew. Um, who I can go to with certain information. If I wanted it to get out, yeah, I'm going to give it there. If I, if I wanted somebody to be prepared so they can get the scoop on the story, I can go to this person. And then it's like, huh, this is something that we definitely want to get out. We know this person has a big mouth. If I tell them that they're, or somebody tells them or a player, you know, like, I mean, you play, the media loves that stuff because they get information, but no, don't kid yourself leaks are often intentional some of them aren't yes some of them are really good inside reporting and, and you, you get out of them but i'd say 85 percent of leaks are intentionally done that would make sense and they're by one of the teams involved in the situation oh yeah
0: oh yeah yep. it, it, there was a lot to that piece but yeah some i was mostly talking about the unintentional ones but yep. yeah yeah so, i know a lot of the leaks are very intentional but on that subject have you received any calls Specific about what? But of leaks. For, I was actually sorry. This is more to Richard. Oh. Richard, <laughs> sorry. you <laughs> received any calls on that front?
1: Uh, I have not. He's I, he's, but, he's not de- he's embedded, but not deeply embedded. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm not. I, like I, I'm not a a sports reporter. Um, yeah. I. But.
0: Well, sorry. Um, right. What about anyone in your
1: staff? Uh, They they haven't either. And and we have talked about it a little bit. Um, So either they're not, you know, getting that information to me, which I don't know why they wouldn't. We're pretty fairly open in our newsroom. Uh, So I have not, um, I have not been privy to the information if it has come in, Uh, which is, um, it's not unheard of, but it is pretty rare, because the way our newsroom is set up, the assignment desk, gets just about everything that comes into the newsroom. So if it happens, I'm going to be knowing about it. There you go. So
2: good stuff there, gentlemen. So we whip around. We're looking forward to game six. We're recording this on Saturday, the 25th. So those of you catching it, hopefully you're hearing it before game six, the next edition, we're guaranteed the next edition of the PHN podcast, no matter what combination of lines we have on there is going to be the, uh, the Stanley cup final wrap up show. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're guaranteed. There's no way it won't be unless, uh, unless we have infinite overtimes.
1: Yeah. For multiple days. Yes,
2: which which, now that'd be be. that'd be a game seven fun for you. Just skip work. Just stay at the arena.
1: Longest game seven ever. Five days. (laughs) There you go. Three three days for Jacob with the exchange rate. Exactly. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, parting shots before we go, Jacob. What's on your mind?
0: I got bonked last night. Bonked. Yeah. Who bonked you? Myself. Be,
1: be careful with that all. guy. Esports is dangerous, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll actually have you know, I used to play competitive counter-strike.
2: Not a
1: shock. Okay. <laughs> are you, are you
2: going to expand uh, on the bonking? Or yeah, let's just...
0: elaborate nope. here. Let's, un- let's good, unfold this. No, 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 no. You brought it up. Let's unfold this. I hit myself with a door because I was very, very, very intoxicated.
2: Okay. That's a lot.
1: Okay. Yeah. We've all Sport. been there.
2: <laughs> were were any friends around to witness it? No. Oh, it really
1: it didn't happen. <laughs> yep. My camera's broken on my phone. I have to get what.
0: <laughs> this story is devolving
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jacob, anything you want to say to save yourself?
0: I'm getting a new phone like this weekend.
2: Getting a new phone. There you go. Yeah, we, we don't have a phone sponsor. We need we a phone, get Yeah. Let's I mean, we, we we can get you. We we can get you a Manscaped. We can get you some, some great logoed clothes from the Calder Cup, but, but I can get you some jewelry from LDE, but we don't have a
1: phone sponsor yet. No, we don't.
0: Can I use one of them as a phone? Can I, can I use <laughs> uh, you can try. It's your, your own risk. <laughs> you can try.
1: Yeah. I, I would be, yeah. Richard. It, it's always on vibrate. Just remember that.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: Uh, my parting thought, well, uh, game five was amazing. I ran into a bunch of awesome fans, uh, interviewed a guy who was from New York. He is actually a Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, not sure why he was there other than he had a sign saying, please avenge us. He wanted the Avalanche to beat the Lightning as they beat his beloved Canadians last year. <laughs> wanted to see some redemption. Unfortunately, he did not get that, uh, but also got to talk to a few um really cool uh, lightning fans. Um, Everyone was pretty chill. Uh, There was some, you know, friendly razzing throughout the stands, but you know, things were pretty, pretty calm uh, as far as like any tensions between fans. Uh, It was a great time. I I had a good time uh, covering the game, um, got a lot of great access. Uh, The only thing uh, that is a downside is this morning I am battling a cold. So I am trying to day myself up and get myself ready for game seven. If it does come back, I am hoping it does not.
2: There you go. I think it's coming back. Um, I, I, I don't really have much of a partying thought, except I get to go watch a baseball game today. The Cubs are in St. Louis and, and go with uh, my cousin. He's a Cardinals fan, which is his problem. But we're going to take a little Cubs cards. After the professor last night uh, threw eight-plus eight shutout innings, you know, the uh, Cubs are looking for a rare two-game win streak. Doesn't doesn't happen for that bad baseball yeah. team. But you know what? It's going to be good weather. It's fun to be at a ballpark. You were in the, the, the frozen last night. I'm going to the heat of 90-some degrees today. Jacob, that's Fahrenheit, by the way, not Celsius. Yeah. Um, Perfect weather for washing paint dry. Paint, yeah, paint has trouble drying in humid 90-degree weather. I hope that's, that's a whole different <laughs> <laughs> I think he's
1: alluding to baseball is boring. No, I, 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 yeah. I
2: when you're at a baseball game having, having a beverage
1: and a hot dog I'm, I, in good weather, I'll take yeah. that all day. <laughs> okay B- before we go I, I gotta ask adam do you prefer day games or night games day games okay i'm a night I'm a game day-to-day. person but I, I also grew up going to wrigley field where they didn't have lights I was eight years
2: old I, okay fair enough and they still play the majority of the games at 120 and you weren't allowed to, friday saturday sunday you weren't allowed to play night games until very recently oh yeah so a true. lot of my my memories of baseball are mo i i don't know if it's even yet but the majority my childhood my memories of baseball are day games I, I never went to a night game. I think the first night game I went to, I can't, it was Comiskey park. Oh, because the socks had lights. And then I was also in Milwaukee County stadium for a night game before I was at Wrigley field for a night game. So okay. like, to me, like when I grew up night, baseball at Wrigley field
1: was special where day baseball was normal. That, that's cool. I, yeah. I, I, I prefer, I prefer yeah. nights. I mean, I love the lights. Um, I, I like it here in Colorado because you get that nice sunset. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, view you, yeah just there, yep. excellent view over there but yeah uh day games are great too i, I like them i am not going to complain about any baseball but um yeah just curious preference no i thought it was a good that, question yeah that's a great <laughs> great reason
2: there you go for jacob doherty for richard cote i'm Anna minnick thank you to the chicago wolves merchandise store and manscaped.com for being our presenting sponsors of the pro hockey news podcast